Welcome to Revision. This is Grayson Scott for another lovely day in New York City. Wasn't it just absolutely amazing? I took a walk today and I didn't want to go back to work. I did not want to go back to work. Oh my God, I did too. It was so amazing out and it's beautiful out now. So I tell you what, what we're going to do is uh, this is our introduction, as we always do, where we talk about really cool stuff um, that we, we found during the week. Um, but we have such a great guest this week. Um, that we're going to talk about the future of social media. Let's uh, let's just try to go through this quickly. Okay. You want to you want to try to kind of do a speed round this week? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so this week I want to talk about the first ever in non-invasive mind control robotic arm, and just just to give you a little bit of a visual, um, what that means is that this arm can move on something called a BCI, which is a brain computer interface. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of making like jerky, responsive movements, kind of like a line graph, yeah, yeah. it can actually move as if like your eye movement was moving, like very smooth oh, and wow. gradual. Yeah. So, so on a curve, there you can exactly. Actually, oh wow, that is so. So cool. we're talking precision. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, one of the things I find fascinating about that, especially in the in the field of robotics, is the fact to be able to give people like artists the ability to draw. It's going to become a pervasive assistance technology for people like in the world of smartphones. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't want to get on the negative side of it too much, but you know, we're kind of walking towards a future where people might have carpal tunnel syndrome or like trigger sure. finger and stuff like that. So um, this could be a cool thing where maybe the arm could be doing the work for us instead of me Ooh. sitting there and like, you know, drawing pixels. So I'm excited about it. I don't want carpal tunnel. <laughs> so so your, your vision of the future is where you sit in a chair and you have two robotic arms, yeah. apart from your normal arms. Right. So your forearm. Precisely. And and the two robotic arms are drawing and, and doing everything as you kind of... Do you know who Dr. Octopus is? <laughs> That's basically me. What? That's basically me. You're basically... You're yeah. going to be Doc Ock? Yes, yes. But I, that's a serious question. Do you know who Doc Ock yeah, is? Yeah, of course, from Spider-Man, right? Very good. I, I was worried because you, you just, you kind of like... <laughs> that was the first nerd. comic book that I ever read. Really? Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. no. I'm excited for Zendaya to play Mary Jane. Oh, I know, right? Oh, so excited. I am excited about... I'm a big fan of Zendaya. So yeah. Awesome. From Kid. We have okay. one thing in common. Um, that's, a, that's a really good one. I think you may have beat me. Um... Because that, that actually has practical applications. Yeah. Mine, I'm just excited about jetpacks. I don't really even have... That's practical. I want a jetpack <laughs> home. Everybody wants a yeah. jetpack. Like, why would you not want a jetpack? Let, let's talk a little bit about jetpacks, yeah. though. Jetpacks is the holy grail, I think, of futurism. So jetpacks started in 1928 in, the, in a thing called Amazing Stories right. of someone flying and people waving at them. And this was the idea. Oh, my God. We could actually fly right. with with the use of this, and then over the years, then they had like in uh, Buck Rogers, which was a big jetpack guy, and in in uh, the forties, like this was something that was really rumored about the Nazis is that they were developing jet these jetpacks during World War II. Uh, of course, they weren't, but that was that was that right. was something that was just like oh my god they're going to win the war because right. they have jetpacks but there's been some practical builds right there there's been the one where the jet fuel is coming out of your backpack like an actual pack yeah and stuff like that like and they always shoot out this like flame that would just 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 kill you 
whatever, whatever you got butt. near it, it would just destroy. So it's always been kind of insane. And then, then like in the 60s, you had uh, James Bond mm-hmm. actually had a jetpack where where he he flew and so it's always been this thing that's kind of there but totally unreasonable right not today right there is so many different versions of a jetpack uh and this one makes the most sense right oh the ones that they're doing now like there's the there's the one guy who basically built the jets into the arms Mm -hmm. so on on which makes sense right center of gravity right so the arms control it because if you put the jetpack on your back and the flames shoot out it would just it would just wreck your ass yeah let's just be honest (laughs) it would just burn barbecue right so that doesn't make any sense so the fact that it's on the arms and he's able to uh control his center of gravity through these things and there's some amazing videos I'll put it up on revision.nyc so everybody can see it. These videos are actually breathtaking um, that that we actually have that. But then that's not it. They actually have other things like there's this uh, guy, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a giant drone that he stands on top of. So it's kind of almost like surfing, but he's standing on top of this So he's a silver surfer, basically. Am I impressing you today? That was amazing. (laughs) I think people should write into the podcast. How many people were just so happy when Tree goes, that sounds like the Silver Surfer. Oh, I have an older amazing. brother, Robert, I love you. I, I mean, he has educated me to an extent. Who is this? My brother, Robert. Good he... job, Robert. <laughs> like my sister, no clue. No. She's, she's, she has like medical degrees and, you know, probably did better things with her brain than knowing who the Silver Surfer is and that he's the herald of Galactus. Yeah, I'm pushing up my glasses <laughs> and reaching snort. for my asthma inhaler. Um, but, uh, yeah, so all I'm saying is that we've talked about it, and these people are actually hard to get a hold of. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm going to do is on a plea, if anybody knows people that are associated with the actual people that are doing these jetpacks, I want to talk to them so badly. Because I Hit think, us up. like, I am, if, if I got the opportunity to do a jetpack, and I'm not talking about that, that, excuse my language, I'm not talking about that piece of shit water jetpack that they have that just sprays lots, you know, like you're on a lake and it just sprays water. It's like down. a hose that faces it's the wrong like way. It's just like a giant right. hose. Yeah. No, squash that noise. I'm talking about the, the actual jetpacks. That is literally a lifelong dream of mine. To be able to sit there, even if it's like, if I go up like five inches into the air yeah. and I fly, oh my Can God. Can I tell you about a childhood fantasy that I had? It was to fill like an air mattress with helium and kind of float on it like Aladdin. That That's was like, genius. Yeah, I really wanted to do that. Let's do that. Should we? I wonder. <laughs> what do you, no, but there's like, it there's reminds a lot of... <laughs> me of. It reminds me of the guy, I, I forget, for a few years back who um, put all of those weather balloons on, oh. on his lawn chair <laughs> and, and then like just shot away. up into the stratosphere oh my God, yeah. and just floated around for a while. I just want to chill for a sec, you know? Like, we could tie it to the ground. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. I have a backyard now, so we See, can... I think what I think what we're getting at is, if you have these amazing products that are just insane stuff, we will try them out. Yeah. We will be YouTube fodder. <laughs> like, if your jetpack can lift me into the air and make me fly... That is an achievement. That is something you should be proud of. I can barely. Grayson, do you have insurance? I do have insurance, ish. Medical insurance. Ish. Less. No, I do have an insurance. I am very, but I'm I'm so excited uh, about these things. But these this is one of the things that I'm actually most excited about. So that's why I wanted to do a call out today 
that if anybody knows people that are doing these builds on jetpacks, please uh, let us know. But what I also want to talk about today, let's talk about our guest today. So today we have Jacob Banas, and so we're going to have a conversation with him about social media. And I know one thing. I know that my goal with this is to stay super positive throughout that whole conversation. You're going to try. I'm going to try because it's so hard to get pulled in, into the yeah, negative swing, right? Yeah, of social media because it's just negative. Social media, for the most part, I think for a lot of people, when you talk about it, it just kind of cringe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my goal. I don't know if I will succeed or not, but that's. The I'll goal. try to keep you on track. I'll be like your your Mary. What is it? Mary Bo Peep. What is it? My Mary Bo Peep. What is? Um, little Bo Peep. I'm just gonna let that hang out there. I'm just gonna let Mary <laughs> Bo Peep echo. Oh no! I meant Little Bo Peep. Who's Mary? Mary know. had a little lamb. Oh, I would combine both of them. What is happening? Mary. You did. You... <laughs> And Tree just did a mix-up to nursery rhymes. That's cutting edge. Most people do music. Uh, you just did a nursery rhyme yeah. mashup. That was, <laughs> that was very impressive. Okay. Uh, anything else before we get on to Jacob? Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, we are here with Jacob Bannis from futurism.com. Um, How are you today? Hi, everyone. Uh, great. Thank you, Grayson and Tree, for having me here today. Oh, we're, I, I have to tell you, I'm super excited. Um, so as everybody knows, I, I have like this morning list of things that I go through. Like I, I, like I was up at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. And I'm, I, I sit down and I have my uh, bookmarks and I literally go through. It's just kind of like how clockwork. my, my yeah. brain wakes up. And I, oh, I did get a claim, a slight victory last time because I saw Tree actually looking through that same list that I sent her. So I was very happy about that. But futurism is is one that I look at every single day. So we're really happy to have you here. Thank you. It's uh, so wonderful to hear. Um, we are always publishing new content, trying to make sure that people know the latest about um, the emerging science and technology that's going to change our lives. So what got you into uh, this this genre? Because because we're going to talk about social media. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk about a little bit what led you to futurism uh, and then what led you specifically your interest in uh, social media? Absolutely. Um, well, growing up in school, I was always a big fan of studying science. And um, at one point thought I wanted to work in epidemiology and was really fascinated by that. For the listeners, what, yes. what is epidemiology? Um, epidemiology is the study of how viruses are transmitted oh, in a population. Um, so pandemic, but in yeah, real life. pandemics. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have to deal with that. Um, but as I was uh, you know, going through my studies, I came to realize that I'm abysmally poor with numbers. And I'm actually uh, pretty decent with words. So I kind of shifted a little bit and found a career in which I get to talk about science, um, but using language skills. I just wanted to know, like, can there be a balance between good and evil online? And do we want that? Or who really wants the evil? That's such an important question right now. I think, um, you know, everyone keeps saying we're in really divisive times. And I think we're really just in a time where there's never been a more free exchange of ideas. Mm. So I don't think that anybody necessarily goes online with the intention of being evil. There's just a disagreement about what good and evil really right. is. Yeah, that's and sometimes that's, being evil can be like a little empowering. So maybe the person is going online to, to gain some power. Yeah, certainly. I right. think that's a maybe... Maybe not an evil act, but definitely a purposely malicious act. Um, social media kind of empowers us to go out and be people we wouldn't necessarily be. Oh, absolutely. Um, good or bad. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely easy to hide behind a screen and say things that you wouldn't necessarily say in person. And sometimes people are going out there and doing that specifically for fun, um, yeah. you know, going out and trolling businesses or other people. Right. Um, 
just for kicks. That's fascinating because from a psychological standpoint, that's the same thing that you get when you're talking about money or wealth or fame. All of it is just an amplifier. So if you're a terrible person, you're going to be, and you get a ton of money, you're going to become that much more of a terrible person and vice versa. If you're a great person, you're going to do great things. with. So is social media just, is it just an amplifier of who people are? I think it's a, a very important question to be asking because it certainly acts as a sort of megaphone. And personally, I'm kind of an optimist and an idealist, and I don't think that there are necessarily terrible people in the world. Right. Um, but just I terrible think that situations. May, right? yeah, yeah, definitely things that could be improved. Um, but I think that, you know, if you give anybody that sort of power, they can find something that resonates with an audience. And that's really ultimately what we're all trying to do on social media is find content that resonates with the audience we're trying to put it in front of. Um, and sometimes that's for the better and sometimes maybe not. I'm, I'm a complete optimist, too. I, that's the kind of the concept of this, even of the show, is the fact that I think so many people have become so pessimistic that they're forgetting that the future is, could be amazing. Like there's so many things that, that are going to change our, our, our lives and the way that we see the world and we're going to accomplish so much. So I say that to say we're going to focus on the negative a little bit. So I want to start out with the really negative and then we're going to pull ourselves out of the muck and really end on a high note if, if that's okay. Um, for two weeks now, since that article came out about Facebook, reading the, that article and then the, the couple of articles that followed it. Like the conditions that they're subject, subjected to. Even what they had to watch. Like yeah. people torturing animals and people torturing children and people torturing mm-hmm. each other. And that really depressed me about social media. It's definitely distressing to read something like that as a social media editor for a brand, essentially, um, for a um, news organization. People tend to forget online that there are real people behind the brands that they're interacting with. And certainly there are real people that are sitting there moderating platforms and the content that goes on them. And uh, it's kind of difficult because we don't always want to see the content that exists on social media. And that's another uh, really interesting question is what kind of content do we as human beings want to be putting out there on the web for people to access? Right. And some people would probably say that they do want to access that kind of content, which is probably a little alarming to most of us, I I would assume. Um, But that's the sort of question that we're asking as we move into the future is, how do we actively want to decide what we put out there and what we don't put out there? And that it, it raises an interesting question of social needs to become less personal because we're going to clash because of our personal beliefs. Or is it something that people need to move where they're more of sharing other content, sharing articles, sharing this other kind of stuff? Where, where's, that, where's that balance? Because if it's too personal, I think you, that's where we end up where we are today. I think it's a question about where we're having these conversations. Um, we have to ask ourselves, is social media the best place to be having serious ideological um, mm. conversations? And certainly those are conversations that are worth having, but does the platform really you know, enable us to have those conversations in a productive way, or are we just going to end up screaming at each other in a comment section? And I think now we're finding people getting very frustrated where um, families have differing ideas internally and people start fighting and stop following each other on social media. And right. maybe that's just not the most effective place for that conversation. This is kind of like a similar conversation that we had with um, another guest on the show where we're like talking about the appropriateness of the channels of social media. Like, should we really be having serious conversations on Instagram? But you guys should listen to that episode. I won't yeah, go into that one too got much. It, we got into a whole thing of uh, uh, the etiquette of different channels yeah. mm-hmm. that you that you deal with. You wrote an article uh, about the future of the internet is urine. Like, yeah. talk, talk a little bit about that. So uh, that article I wrote a couple of 
months ago, I think, but um, it was at the time on Twitter, um, something that had kind of taken off as things tend to do on Twitter, something small becomes something bigger. But this was an instance of um, the Vita Coco brand coconut water um, account was suddenly had everybody's eyes on it because their social media manager, a uh, a commenter reached in to say, um, hey, you know, I'd rather drink human urine than your water. And uh, they raised the bar by posting a photo of their social media manager holding what appeared to be a jar of urine saying, what's your address? Oh, wow. And uh, for an established Mm -hmm. brand to do something as bizarre as that was, you know, grab people's attention. And for what it was, it worked because a lot of people looked at that and said, well, good on them for not dealing with um, this person making a point and and being rude about their point. You know, a lot of people should also be asking, like, is it appropriate to be doing that sort of thing? Like, where do we draw the line? Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole point of my article was to kind of talk about, are we only going to see more of brands doing that sort of thing to try and break through the noise of the day-to-day content, um, to do something outrageous simply for the sake of grabbing attention? How do we balance our psychological needs for connection as we move to to a society that's more advanced in technology? Well, what's really interesting um, when you think about that is people often look at social media and technology as driving us further apart or finding ways to divide us. Um, but social media has actually made it a lot easier to keep in touch with people and to connect with people. Um, in fact, probably easier than ever before. And I personally, you know, we think that we have to look inside ourselves, each of us, and decide psychologically what we need from social media. Um, as a, a social media manager for a, a, um, a news organization, a lot of my time on social media, which is pretty much every waking hour of my life, is spent um, monitoring our our brand channels and making sure everything looks all right. Um, So that personally, I don't really engage with social media a lot personally. And a lot Mm. of people think when you're a social media editor or a manager, you need to have really large followings on your personal accounts. And that's not necessarily true because that's a lot of work. And so for me personally, I'd rather use like my own Instagram, my own Twitter to keep up with people that I want to engage with um, and save the big picture stuff for, you know, work. I could see that filtering would be very important for you, making sure you're not like inviting that noise into your personal life. Well, and it also raises the questions, do businesses ultimately ruin social media platforms? What's fascinating is social media exists in that sphere of the attention economy where um, basically their goal is to keep people on a platform as long as possible. And most platforms, the goal is to serve more ads um, and uh, put more products in front of people's eyes. Um, But that sort of business model only works for so long. And it's the sort of thing that newspapers and um, even uh, news organizations have been kind of questioning for a long time is, um, how can we make this business model sustainable? Hmm. And for Facebook, um, I think that's why you see Facebook um, focusing a lot of attention on Instagram, because people talk about the decline in Facebook's usage, even though it's still one of the largest social media platforms. But putting... um, Putting more resources into Instagram where there's a younger audience and still a growing audience is kind of, I wonder almost if Facebook might slowly pivot into that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And really what we might see is um, some sort of conglomerate organization that just manages multiple social media platforms. The question about um, business and whether or not it ruins social media is something that's been asked for probably the better part of 10 years. And since the advent of social media, people have been trying to figure out what the role is um, of business within social media. And um, one thing I like to think about is how business decisions adversely affect social media, Um, because ultimately social media is supported by the people that are creating content. And an example of that not working out very well is in the death of Vine. 
Um, mm. I was a huge fan of Vine oh, yeah. when it was still around. And, and I guess uh, technically it still is, but it's not what it was. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was a decision that was made, uh, to my understanding, because um, a bunch of the, I think about 12 of the main content creators that were on that platform banded together and said, listen, if you want us to keep making content and you want us to uh, keep putting things on your platform to keep people coming back, we want to cut of the profit. Um, And that was ultimately not what happened. And so those people left. And when those people left, so did a large portion of the audience. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't sustainable anymore. Does that guy on YouTube in his basement getting 20 million hits have more power than a network? And maybe that's not every case, but there's definitely a sort of a, a shift in power that hasn't traditionally existed. You know, um, back in past years, we were kind of dependent on networks and publishers, which helped do some of that moderation that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, they provided a sort of filter to say, like, this is, you know, either acceptable or borderline unacceptable behavior. Um, but with social media, we exist without that filter, without that guide to say, you know, we as people do or don't want this. It also gives people the freedom to like kind of hone in on their own passions and their own platform, con- content platform. I think it's it's interesting that um, so I wanted to bring up an anecdote. Um, the way that people are using social media as a form of currency. I know you brought it up as attention economy. Um, something that I notice people are doing on Instagram now is instead of like going to friends' parties or instead of like giving them like a physical gift, they tend to kind of do shout outs on Instagram and that's just as gratifying as physically being there with someone, you know, spending time with them or giving them like a physical gift. And what do you what do you think about that? I think it's a kind of an interesting way that people have adapted to wanting to express an emotion. Um, And social media makes it really easy to express what we're feeling, especially in a society where everything is so fast paced. Um, And sometimes there's geographic boundaries, too. Um, A lot of my friends live in other cities um, and the social media offers me a way to easily connect with them and to say, hey, I'm thinking about you on your special day. Um, almost, you know, wish I was there with you. And so it's kind of a a weird thing to do, though, because it is also done for attention. Um, And I like, you know, lots of people look at likes um, and comments as sort of vanity metrics that ultimately they may not necessarily mean anything, but they're metrics that um, brands and and editors use to decide what has value. Right, Um, engagement spectrum. Yeah, exactly. And... um, you know, that sort of, uh, those internet points, if you will, are all being right. acquired by the one friend wishing the other friend a happy birthday, yeah. which is a strange dynamic. Right. Yeah, it's like that creepy Black Mirror episode. Um. Yeah, it's, it's something I actually struggle with quite a bit, is the we versus me economy that's out there. Like, there, there was a lot of people in discussion, like when Stan Lee died. Everybody started posting pictures of them with Stan Lee, and a couple comedians were like, wait, is this about you or is this about Stan Lee? You're saying, hey, I was part of that too. It's not about you right now, right? It's about the other person. We've explored many of my personal peeves on this show. So here's a new one. And you don't even know this one, Tree. (laughs) I love the Met. That's like my place of like rest and calm. And I go there and just walk around for hours. But people with selfie sticks taking pictures of themselves in front of this great, like this is one of the greatest pieces of, of, of art I don't need your stupid face on it. <laughs> it wasn't created so that you can go, look at me. No, take a picture. I'm all for it. Take a picture of the art. Share the art. Share. What I really get with that is because the more, and this is and this is a word that has a lot of negative 
connotation to it, and, I, and I'm not using it in that sense. I'm using it for just literally painting the picture of it. The more self-centered we become, we keep generating content about ourselves, which actually has a psychological effect of I only want to see me and what I'm com comfortable with, as opposed to really going, what else is in the world? And, and how does, in social media, because you're trying to create uh, I feel like like we're almost putting you on trial for social media. Like, <laughs> why did you, you do this to us? Sorry for social media. <laughs> no, but well, that's a really good question. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the idea is is if you're only creating content about yourself and you're only interested in your experience, then you're missing other experiences. I don't see it that way though. Really? I feel like the same thing happened with um, Notre Dame burning down. People were posting pictures of themselves near Notre Dame, right? Mm -hmm. I think that if you're clinging for something to oh, ground that's so you, sad, though. I'm sorry, I haven't quite recovered from that. Oh yeah, I know. But go ahead. If Notre you're Dame, clinging for something to kind of ground you, um, sometimes it's just a photo. Like I find myself doing similar things when I'm trying to remember something. I look for the photo. So I, I honestly don't have an issue with people um, trying to connect with the the person that passed or something that might have happened but i think i think it does really matter like if you're like putting like weird hashtag hashtag like like for like or like whatever if you're if you're just you know you're not putting hashtags you're sharing it you want people to know that like let's connect over this you know mm -hmm. and that's okay but i think it goes without saying that if someone's doing it for like personal advancement it's like come on do you not have any integrity <laughs> yeah wow. that's a little sketchy <laughs> yeah little, right um but I think it's ultimately like a, a we're all individual people sharing a collective experience and that sort of, you know, sharing this um, thing to say somehow I relate to this event that's going on or I was there with that famous artwork. Mm -hmm. um, it's very human to want to do that. And um, it's true. And, and Grayson's and just a grumpy man. I am <laughs> grumpy, I guess. And part of part of me, I've, I've been criticized. It's, it's like in that's not the way you experience it but that's not that's not the rule you know that's just your thing so i get that this is the last one that i want to do about kind of on the negative side of things and we'll get a, by the way i should say this about jacob everybody that we've had in here i felt like we were very positive and we were kind this of bringing like the them most up negative episode that we've you ever are so positive about all this and i i can't tell you how much You're i really navigating it pretty well. appreciate it you are you are navigating our, our negative questions so well. So I, I just want to say that. Last negative question. Okay. Um, the, the addictive nature of social media. Like, the, the have you seen the, the latest season of Black Mirror? I haven't watched it yet, actually, but we're, um, you know, oh. big fans in the office. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk, I'll talk as loosely. I didn't around. watch it either, so no spoilers. I'll talk mm. as loosely as around as I can. Where they, there's an episode about the addictive nature of social media and they talk to essentially a mark zuckerberg character and he he makes this fascinating statement where he's like this was not what it was meant to be when we started and he goes now we have whole departments whose job it is is to get get it to be more sticky and get it to be how how do you do you ever think about that and and let's say moving 10 20 years forward do you see that becoming better or worse are we going to find a balance with the addictive nature of all this I think it's really tricky um, because it's certainly addicting. It's really designed to be addicting. Um, keeping people around, it goes back to that attention economy sort of thing where the more eyes on ads, the better. Um, but I would be really surprised if any social media network instituted some sort of tool to help moderate um, 
people's usage of social media. And certainly, I'm probably I haven't looked, but I would be willing to bet that there are apps out there that will like track the amount of time you're spending on an app and send you a notification if you reach a certain limit, which yeah, would be really I think great. It's, it's built into um, the Apple. Um, uh, iOS now, yeah, where you see, get your Android users. You so. get you you get your screen time, I know. and it says <laughs> this bad. is this is the time that you've been on here, and this is what you've been doing, mm-hmm. uh, and then it shames you. As addicting as it can be, one of the things that is really like great about it, and one of the things that I personally enjoy thinking about when I am spending too many hours scrolling late at night, is social media also has made it easier to create content probably than ever before. Um, a lot of these platforms have put really powerful tools in the hands of people that don't necessarily have um, traditional training in video editing or in photography um, and really enabled them to say, this is something that I can do. Um, people talk a lot about TikTok up and coming right now as one of like the younger social media platforms. And what's really fascinated me about it is watching um, a lot of really like younger teens um, taking this app and recording videos, pairing it with music, um, sometimes applying filters and basically promoting a small story that they have written, produced and edited all on their own. And it's fascinating to watch young people growing up doing that. It's very tightly produced. I've seen like the 15 second clips and whatever. Yeah, They're it's really pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, when you think about I it. I love that. I love that the, the, the concept of storytelling is becoming a commodity. Mm-hmm. I'm all about empowerment. If if someone who usually wouldn't put themselves out there, they find confidence in something like that, I'm by all means go for it. So, what is the future of AI machine learning in in a social sense? Well, that's probably one of the most fascinating things to think about as we move forward with uh, See, that, that was the positive. future we're, of social we're, media. We're pulling ourselves we're out now. of the mud yes. to, the, to the positive <laughs> stuff now. Um, is um, A lot of uh, AI and machine learning algorithms are able to take a look at the data that we're putting on social media and determine different sorts of things about us. Um, And a lot of people may be uncomfortable with that notion. Um, Certainly, it can kind of be intimidating. I think a couple of, maybe last year, was it? Um, Facebook had, it's one of its many data scandals, but afterward instituted a tool where people could download their Facebook data. Um, And even in the office, we produced a video about it where we were like, what does Facebook have on you? And do you even realize that you're generating all of this information? Mm -hmm. So um, AI and machine learning algorithms can really pull that information together and create something with it. Um, But the tricky thing about that is some of the social media profiles that we're creating online may not have reliable information. Right. It may and, not be representing our true selves. Right. Mm-hmm. And algorithms are only as good as the information that the, you're putting into them. They yeah. can only make logical conclusions. They can't, you know, decipher something. So if you're taking a, an algorithm and filling it with stuff that isn't true, it's going to report on something that probably isn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like to think of AI as an all-knowing machine, but it's not that, certainly not yet. There's a company by the name of Crystal. Uh, out there and what they do is they take your personality and your kind of personality profile and you can get on there and you can do your profile so Jacob I, I, I need to write you a letter and we've both done the personality profile we've gone through crystal and we've, we've figured it out but what it will do then is give suggestions on how I speak to you it will say Jacob responds to these kind of things and mm. Tree responds to these kind of things. And it will actually give suggestions from an AI machine learning uh, level of how to more effectively communicate. And to me, I think that's absolutely beautiful. It absolutely is. Um, I think it's a really fascinating concept to be able to say, like, um, 
you know, based on the information you're putting out there, this is how you're most likely to respond to something. And really, um, we don't really think about it, but on social media, when we are filling it with our personal history, our photos, um, our likes, our dislikes, we're really just creating a very strong psych- uh, psychological profile of uh, who we are as a person. Um, and so it's not surprising that, um, you know, some sort of uh, algorithm is able to look at that and decipher, you know, the best way to navigate that situation, because that's exactly the sort of logic problem that machines are really good at solving. Right. Yeah. Would you say that um, in social media, would you say that people are more themselves on a phone, on a mobile device versus on a on a desktop? I think it depends more on the platform than the device. Um you know, some people, I think LinkedIn tends to be probably the most genuine where people try and represent themselves in a way that is uh, to the point yeah. um, and professional. It's um, it's certainly polished, you know, to be professional. Mm-hmm. But there are other platforms where people don't necessarily act or put out any personal information. Um, there are a lot of Twitter accounts that are, you know, um, things that kind of just pull in information. Or, um, you know, I know of people who definitely do not act like themselves on Twitter. They're there to do a certain type of content for a certain type of audience. Um, So I think it's probably a little more complicated than any one platform or any Mm -hmm. one device. Do you think that's because LinkedIn, you stand a greater chance of actually meeting the person in the real world? Like you're going to actually meet somebody and you're going to be held accountable. It's not a parody of who you are. It's it's more representative of like what you stand for and the type of things that you like. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. You're more accountable because... You may eventually have to be, say, you may have to stand in front of somebody and go, oh, yeah, that, that, I did that. Yeah, I think the, the purpose there is slightly different, and that kind of affects how people behave there. Um, but I can certainly say that I know people that behave a certain way on Instagram and have wound up meeting other people through that. I think a lot of like um, hmm, fitness yeah. bloggers or like hiking outdoors people who then meet other people with similar interests and end up going on adventures together, which mm-hmm. is probably the most wholesome social media experience that could happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Love it. I'm I like get... the opposite of like what you guys are talking about. Like my life is, it's like a, a normal life, but I'm I'm not motivated to put it on social media. So I seem a lot more boring on social media than I am in real life. Or sometimes it's very spaced out. Like I'll post something like in January and I'll post something in like March. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe I need to become a better social media but content But I, f- I find that interesting because you have such stringent rules. I know, I know. About social media and how it should, should and shouldn't be used. Right. But are you saying that you're more of a passive user? Yeah, I would say that I'm a passive user. Um, I mean, I try to like put things on as much as I can, but I feel like when I'm experiencing them in the real world, I'm not inclined to pick up my phone and take a picture. Yeah. It's actually more recently that I was like, no, I should actually take pictures of things because then I'll, I'll like have a little snippet of it, you know. But um, like for example, there's a guy sleeping. Um, he was like leaning on the MetroCard um, check, like the the, the swiper the thing. The new ones. Yeah, he was like, where you check the balance. And I like walked away. I like walked away and I was like, no, I want to take a picture. So I walked back. I'll put it on. I'll put it on our website. I walked back and I took a picture of him. And I'm telling this picture brings me joy. Like I've (laughs) shared it like with all of my friends. And I want to be I want to be responsible with how Mm -hmm. I socialize on social media. But I also want to like give a little more. But I don't I don't really I don't really want to. You know, it's like. Yeah, I I think my personal philosophy and, and you and I talked about this. Uh, before um, is that I think it's a, I think it's a, a maturity level for us as a species. I think that um, I think the analogy I used before is we all are um, 
we are all children on the playground for the first time and mm-hmm. we have our own worlds that we've that we've come from that i was raised a certain way in a different state and a different group of people and you were wa- raised one way and you were raised one and every now we're on this playground of social media and all of our belief systems and all of our ways that we were raised are being challenged like is this is what what my parents and their parents told me does that hold up against all of this other input that we're getting in. And I think as a species, we don't know how to handle mentally, how to handle that level of input. And, and we're, we're, we're now coming together in a, in, in a lot of ways in a very personal way. And there's always going to be that struggle and there's always going to be the tail end that's doing the terrible things. But I think as a whole, we see incredibly positive things. I'm excited by it. Being, mm-hmm. being able to have someone who is not like you within reach. Yeah. It's, it's, it's empowering and, it's just, I mean, in New York, it's hard to say that, like, it's new for me because I feel like in New York you come across with, like, different types of people, different walks of life. But for my, for, for my friends who are, like, in different cities, they're talking to people that they never would have talked to. Let's, let's go into the future a little bit. Like, what are you, from a social media standpoint, what are you most excited about, like, coming down the line, whether it's AR or VR or what, what is it that you're like, ooh, I wish, this, I, wish I had this today? Well, I talked a little bit about TikTok, and I'm really fascinated watching uh, as that platform develops because um, it's kind of one of the few that is focusing on native video. Um, YouTube kind of does that. Um, YouTube was always something that was kind of more of a hosting platform that has evolved into more of a community. Um, But TikTok from the get-go said, we're going to do music and we're going to do video, and that's what we're going to be about. And there's really nothing else quite like it at the moment. Um, and I think that that is why it's seeing a lot of success with younger audiences. So I'm excited to watch that continue um, and to see where that goes. And I think that there's also a lot of unexplored space in terms of sound. Um, I don't know exactly what that would look like, but it would be fascinating to see a social media network that is built around the idea of sound. Mm-hmm. Um Podcasts, you know, yeah. they've been around for a little while, but are really coming back in a way that they haven't been. Um, so, where would like SoundCloud mm-hmm. be fit, not fit this? So that's a really hard question um, because there's not really a, a super great definition of what social media is. Um, generally, I think it's um, anything where people are gathering to create content um, to share something that they're all about or to share ideas. Um, and so, if you have those three ingredients, then a lot of things could be called social media. Um, even though they're not one of the major social media platforms, if you will. Um, With AR and VR, it's really interesting. Um, In 2003, Second Life was launched, which was the online game um, for a while. And it's still around, still out there. It's always kind of been plugging away in the background. Um, but there was in, a fascinating documentary about that. Did, did you see that? I didn't, but I would love to know more about it. Yeah. Um, one of the recent things that that company behind Second Life is doing is exploring VR to say, uh, you know, we're going to do Second Life, which is like a imagine your own sort of uh, a different experience, if you will, be whoever you want to be in the world um, and go and connect with other people. Um, they're imagining that experience in VR. So from a traditional standpoint, it's probably not something people would look at as social media because you're not posting to a feed um, or, you know, updating your profile, which has kind of been the norm. But those are also sort of part of the experience there. And people are going there with the intention of meeting others and sharing ideas and to some extent creating content. So if you look at it that way, 
that could be considered a sort of example of social social mm. media. Excuse me. If you had described um, it to me, I would have said, oh, what's that social media platform? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see that. Well, I think what it is, what you're seeing is the combination of gaming and social media. Social media is very much a two-dimensional world. Mm-hmm. You know, you have height and width, and that's that's where your platform is going on. Where gaming is very much a three-dimensional world. And I think when we start uh, combining those, like, you know, Fortnite or, you know, Fortnite is a kind of a fascinating thing to me that it's a, it's a game, but it's very much turning into a sh- social platform by releasing different episodes and people having, you know, uh, gang, uh, I don't want to say gangs, but basically groups that, that are going and exploring uh, Fortnite together. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, not too long ago, there was a uh, whole to-do about a virtual concert that was hosted within mm. uh, within Fortnite. And anytime you talk about VR and AR, it always focuses around gaming um, and concerts because those seem to be the two areas that really draw in that sort of technology. It's very easy to translate that experience into something that is uh, virtual. Um, but to have a, a whole concert, I can't remember who performed, um, um, but to have that whole experience within the game of Fortnite itself... Um, really makes you stop and think. You have yeah. to look at it from a different angle, maybe a less traditional angle of this is a game versus this is somewhere people go to spend time with one another. Um, and that, at its core, is what social media is it's about. Platform, right? Yeah, Emo Heap um, is an artist, a British artist, that released her album um, in in the virtual world. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's fascinating. She's this real cutting-edge, like, uh, really art musician who's great. She did the soundtrack for the Harry Potter musical mm. for those who uh, are care to know. Um, okay, so let's let's move forward. We're, we're, we're getting to the point that I think we're coming to the end of it. And I have to tell you, I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm sorry that we kind of made you justify the existence of uh, social media for so long. I think there's a lot of things that social media may have to answer for. I <laughs> yeah. don't know as if I'm the social media spokesperson. Yeah, but right, right, right. You're right, off right. the hook for now. But, yeah. but let, I always like to ask everybody at the end, what is something, it doesn't have to be social media or, or, or your genre, um, what is something that, that when you think about the future, what, is, what is, are you really excited about? Yeah, um, personally, I've always been a little bit of a space cadet when it comes mm. to science and technology. Um, really fascinated by the idea of what's beyond um, Earth, really. And I don't think that there's a more wholesome human experience than for us to come together and um, challenge nature itself, really, to go further, literally go further than we've ever gone before, which is kind of a cop-out thing to say. But um, (laughs) there's so much out there that we could discover. Um, so I love listening in on stories of engineering feats and um, watching, you know, the progress there to see who knows what we may one day do. What do you think of Bezos' announcement? People really like to joke about that one because it was pretty fantastical. But there's a sort of um, um, there's sort of a magical element to futurism, if you will, um, and futurism as a concept, um, which is that that idea of the goal of predicting the future, to do that, you have to be willing to sound a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. But it's a yeah. guesstimate, if, or an educated guess, if you will, um, that's rooted in real factual science to say this is something that is currently in its kernel stage, but like, what could this become once it blossoms and really develops? So that was a pretty, um, a pretty wild thing to say, like, we may be living on giant arcs one day, yeah. but for all we know, we might be. And I, I, um, I love it. I loved that announcement so much. 
because there's such an opportunity for such a giant failure, <laughs> right? And I'm a, I'm a very positive person about failure. The human race has one tool that all other animals don't is the ability to understand when it failed and to get back up again and do it better, right? That's how we've learned from day one is just a constant stream of failures. And so I don't, I don't see failure as a negative at all. I see it very much as a positive. And so for someone to get up there and go, here's this huge vision and risk, you know, all the taunting and all the other stuff that's going to come from that. I love that. That That's one of my favorite things that's happened in the last several years. I think, um, I know we're trying to broaden it out into the big picture here, but that's one of the greatest lessons about social media is that like, um, you never know what's going to happen if you don't try and you are probably going to fail at some point. But even some of the most spectacular failures on social media have become stories that are almost legends that we still talk about years later, maybe because they they didn't achieve what they wanted to, but they served some sort of entertainment purpose um, or it right. was a bold take and it didn't necessarily work. And we're still talking about it. So in that sense, it did work. Um, and so I think that that's something that we can all try to do is be a little more bold and put those ideas out there. Right, so how do we balance our psychological needs for connection as we move forward in a society that's more technological? Technological, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I like saw it in my head and I was going to say it in a different way. (laughs) I should just say it again. Um, Should I just say it? Three, two, one. How do we balance our tech... Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's definitely like a Friday in my this. I'm off tomorrow, so uh, my, brain is, my brain is like mush. That's How okay. do we balance technologically with our social knowledge? Slushy. <laughs> okay, so three, okay. two, one. How do we balance our psychological needs for connection as we move to to society that is more technolo- technological? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's I had a whole thing, and then I blanked. <laughs> it's okay. This whole okay. laugh part, this, we can edit this is that. Our first, this is our first uh, blooper reel. Yeah. <laughs> God, I got to It's fun because it's social media, so don't worry. Yeah. People okay, we're texting me. Okay. You want to try it one more time? Oh, sure. You want me to like just go into one more time? Or you yeah, one second. Think Sorry. About what you're how do we balance the psychological need for connection mm-hmm. with the future of society and all the technology? Okay. Three, two. How do we balance our psychological needs for connection as we move forward in a society that's more tech technology? Fuck, I really can't say the word. <laughs> Can we reformat? I can't say it. More advanced in technology, right? Okay. Intertwined with technology. How about that? I don't speak like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That is more advanced in tech. By the way, I will say, I'm going to have this at the end as a a blooper reel. (laughs) Don't say the F word, though. Yeah. (laughs) Because my nieces are listening to this. We'll do the meow. (laughs) Meow. Meow every time we swear. Okay. Thank you so much. (laughs) Three, two, Gosh, that's swell.